This week on the Give Me Some Truth podcast, Mitch DeWitt and I, Keith Ponywaz, start by discussing trends, including the e-boy and e-girl look, before turning to what some call an investment trend, ESG investing. We discuss, however, that the principles under, underlying such investments may actually be part of the conversation you want to have with your financial advisor and with your family. All right, welcome to Give Me Some Truth podcast. I'm here joined with, uh, I'm Keith Ponywaz with Mitch DeWitt, uh, both advisors here at Walkner Condon. We're going to talk about uh, something trendy, and I don't think either one of us would be considered uh, trendy. Maybe you a little bit more than me, Mitch. Well, that's debatable. I'd been... say I'm not. I mean, I'm a dad now. You know, I feel like trendy goes out the out, out the, window the window at that point. I mean, I've been wearing literally. Uh, I have a gingham shirt in my collection uh, that I think I bought in high school. I have polo shirts that I've bought in in high school. I think you know I'm not at all considered trendy, though. We did learn uh, from from uh, producer extraordinaire Hannah Baker, who uh, is up on these things. About have you heard of e boys and e girls? No. Is that uh, a trendy thing nowadays? That this is apparently a look, uh, and they may spell it L E W K, uh, uh, of uh, <laughs> you know young kids now. And I actually was able to, in a brief moment, because I had read an article, uh, probably in some untrendy publication like the New York Times about uh, Visco girls, V S C O, which is also a look that is is kind of. Uh, uh, trendy as well at this moment, and uh, does so, that ever get referenced in The Economist, another trendy publication? Uh, I have not seen about e boys and e girls in, in the The Economist. Uh, you know, the, the cool The Economist uh, is decidedly not cool. Um, let's let's be clear, but they have some interesting materi- material in there about language and kind of the updates to to the language being brought by by the cool people. Wow, um, that's kind of right up your alley, probably. It is, I mean, um, and I we could spend a whole you know the next two hours where we talk about uh, language and and updates. Should we just completely tangent and move to a new topic? Well, I, I, it's not an entirely new new topic because investing sees trends, right? It's true. We you know we see cool cool things. Um, you know, a couple years ago it was Bitcoin. Um, you know, cannabis is is sometimes uh, you know being viewed as as cool. Um, the Economist actually had a, a you may remember this a, a couple of years ago uh, when we were both at the at another firm, uh, the Internet of Things, oh, yes. right? The Economist cover and that that was a cool investing trend. And you've spent some time working on uh, uh, one that is sometimes viewed as a trend, but I don't think it necessarily is because it's an idea that's been with us for quite a while, but it, it now goes under the, the moniker ESG. ESG, yes. And, and and that stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance, or Corporate Governance. So ESG, you might have heard it. Maybe you saw it on a, a cover of Barron's or... Kiplinger, or some of these other magazines that, that some of you might see, but ESG is, some people might argue a trend, other people might say, no, it's got staying power, and this is like the future of how organizations really need to look at the materiality and sustainability of their business 
And that and, there is a link to financial performance. And ESG is not, it's been, it's gone by many names, right? Ethical investing. Do, do you remember some of the other ones out there? I mean, even just like green, socially responsible is the old, so, socially responsible, that's been around for decades. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's an idea and a name that's been around for a really long time. And, and you know, you see it at the institutional level. Um, one of my alma maters, Penn, has been protesting uh, pretty strong that you know they should divest from from fossil fuels in their investment portfolio. In the '80s, you saw you know objections to companies investing in in apartheid South Africa. Um, were you alive in the '80s, Mitch? I was. Okay. Do, do you know how many days I was allowed alive in the '80s? Like six. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Five. But Five. Uh, close enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I rounded, um, <laughs> uh, and and so it's been going on for a, a long time. But I think you know the important thing for us as financial advisors is to help people who are interested in these concepts uh, start to think about how, if they want to incorporate them in their their financial life, how they should do it. And and also, you know, before we really get into it, what is you know ethical or, or pardon environmental. Social. Social and governance. What do each of those terms kind of mean? Sure, sure. So basically when we say ESG, environmental social governance, those are three simplified ways of categorizing different factors that one might have as part of their investment portfolio. So that could be at the individual level. That could be a fund manager. As a fund manager is looking at some sort of index, let's say, and and they want to make sure that they're getting – the, the best funds with respect to an E score on the environmental side, an S score, and a G score. And then when they blend this score ultimately together, you might call it a, a sustainability score. So really, it's just identifying factors of, of ways to make investment decisions. So for example, on the, the E side, a uh, fund manager might look at the carbon emissions per economic output. So basically, what are the carbon emissions that they're throwing out in the atmosphere versus the economic benefit that's actually being generated in the form of revenues and earnings and things like that for an organization? So there's a way to score that, right? And there's going to be there's going to be some top performers and there's going to be some bottom performers. And let's just say that you're looking you're only interested in the top ten percent, right? So in that specific case. We're, we're looking at an environmental factor. We have a specific metric. We're trying to find the top performers. Therefore, maybe uh, an organization or a fund gets a thumbs up or a thumbs down. So in a, in a simplified way, that's, a, that's how ESG could be used when it comes to making investment and portfolio decisions. And, and there are a couple of ways of accessing you know, an ESG portfolio. You can do it through uh, an ETF. There are ETFs out there. Um, there are also ways of uh, using separately managed accounts to screen out uh, for, you know, maybe you don't want to support gun manufacturers, maybe you don't want to support oil companies, maybe you don't want to support this one company because you think they've been guilty of predatory lending practices. So there are ways of doing this either through an ETF or, or screening out. But we see a lot in our our kind of uh, practice of ways of not doing it as well, right? 
As far as uh, sorry, so as as far as not doing like what? like saying you're doing ESG but not actually doing oh, ESG. Right. right. Yeah. So and the interesting thing is numerous studies will support this is that many people, as a matter of fact, a majority of people say they are interested in the idea of ESG or sustainable investing. But then the numbers also show that not a majority. <laughs> so the people that indicated they're interested in investing this way are not actually doing it. So there's a gap between, yeah, I'm interested, and how do I go about doing this? Mm-hmm. How do I actually implement this, right? And that's where there are there's a space for professionals to help someone with those investment decisions. There's resources and databases. Think Morningstar is a common name. Maybe you've heard of MSCI is another way that you can start to score and gauge some of these things. But you're absolutely right. The interest is there, but then it's how do I go about actually doing this? Does that just mean that I throw one position of my entire portfolio in a clean energy fund? Well, we see people doing that, right? But that doesn't include a kind of a comprehensive approach, not only to just portfolio level, but planning level, right? So if you're looking at, all right, what is my plan? What am I trying to do? Where am I trying to go? What's my goal? Why am I investing in the first place, right? You got to figure that out. That's why people hire us, by the way, Keith. Really, I think, right? Yeah. Is that uh, is that well? Safe well, to say? And, and you know, I think what you're saying too is is uh, you know one of the big questions we always ask, and and what get, gets advertised, you know, on on uh, on TV is like retirement or your money is like walking hand in hand on the beach with your spouse, right? Yes. Yes. And, and actually, it's it's more complex because here's a case where planning can help you with ethically sustainable investing uh, or, you know, ESG or however you want to turn about it. Because say one of your goals is to invest and you want to do, you know, ESG, but you also want to contribute to philanthropies. Right. You want to contribute to local charities. And if your investment advisor knows this, right, they can help you devise a, a different strategy for charitable giving, uh, all of that, that is, is different from what you, we might do with someone who, you know, wants to spend all of their money or do something like that. For sure. And there's a correlation there between people that are interested or are already investing in an ESG type manage in an ESG type of way and philanthropy. So a lot of a lot of people they they actually do both, right? So if you have a spectrum, let's say on the the left side, I'm using my left hand right now. I know you can't see me. <laughs> uh, if you're walking by, a, if you're walking a, a by on Monroe, Monroe Street, Street. <laughs> yeah, my left hand is up right now, and that is let's just say traditional investing, right? So that's just invest at all costs, returns, returns, returns. I don't care what I'm investing in. I just want to watch my account grow over time. You want SIN as your number one holding the, the yes. gambling guns and, and <laughs> give right. it to, yeah. Yeah. Give that, all that to me. I want it in there because I want to make money, right? That's on the left side. Now I'm holding up my, my right side, my right arm here. And on the right side of the spectrum is going to be philanthropy or charity, basically, where I am giving. I have no expectation of return. And then there's this spectrum between invest, returns, returns, returns at all costs. On the right side, I'm giving away. I don't expect any return. And then ESG and sustainable investing is, is, is somewhere in between, 
right? So there's different even levels of that where, sure, I'm investing. I have some sort of goal. I have this part of my financial plan. And maybe ESG incorporated into my retirement account looks different than what some might call impact investing, where impact investing, which, again, is kind of in between the, the traditional investing and sustainable side, or excuse me, the charitable side, that's impact first, right? Where, okay, I'm donating towards this organization, this cause. I also probably shouldn't use the word donating. Um, but I'm giving money towards something with a social metric expectation first, meaning there's a social program that's going to um, reduce prisoner recidivism, let's say. And if that does, in fact, happen... Excellent vocabulary word. Thank you. <laughs> and if that social metric is, in fact, met then I might get some sort of financial return from the bond that I purchased that is, you know, intent to, to reduce recidivism at some sort of local prison, right? And usually it's in the form of taxpayer savings and things like that. Um, so that's kind of impact first, right? Where, all right, there might be a return, but that's not the point. Even that is still kind of in the investing side of the spectrum. It's not on the very right side of the spectrum, which is, giving, right? Where that's maybe donor-advised fund, and I'm, I'm truly just giving. But but even, you know, giving, donating, uh, I think important to use investor metrics. I, I think, you know, money is a, is a resource that we have, and, you know, you can see it with all, various charities. There are controversies about it, you know, that if you give to this charity, there's, you know, so much overhead, you know, the, the CEO goes to this, uh, it, you know, it's, it's one of the things, you know, we talk about in terms of sustainability and, and, you know, we're big local folks, you know, we were out here last weekend for, um, you know, for the Monroe street festival. One of the things about, you know, spending money in your community is that it, it helps support your neighbors and, you know, you see those signs every once in a while. If you support a local business, it's not helping build a CEO's, you know, third home or things like that. But I, and the the same concepts hold true to to charities, right? You want to find charities where your dollar is going farther, mm-hmm. right? Well, and, even on the governance side, right? Because yeah. there might be a charity that, and and some there are lots of of nonprofit organizations where executive directors do deserve to be paid well. Right. I mean, they're in charge of a large organization leading lots of people, making huge social change or whatever environmental change, whatever their nonprofit is about. Right. But you could look at some of these corporate governance type of metrics and and seeing, hey, is the executive pay in line with where it should be? Right. When I'm giving to that organization, is it going primarily towards the cause or is it padding the paychecks? Are, you know, are board members getting paid? Is there conflicts there? What's the diversity and the makeup of the board? You know, are they educated and qualified to be there? These are all decisions that can be made for a organization that you might just be charitably supporting or as an investment decision and a publicly traded company. Yeah. So some of these criteria can be used in both cases. That's a really good point, Keith. And, and I think that's what we, you know, in in getting into this conversation that we wanted to, to get is is ESG as as concepts, right? Are good underpinnings for how you handle your your money, but they need to be, you know, to be effectively used, right? They need to be. You need to start talking to an advisor who's going to help you see how that can apply to not just your investments, but also your divestments, right? What, right. You're, what you're giving to. 
Why, right. you know, and we haven't, you know, started talking about, you know, one of the advantages of a, of a nice diversified portfolio is if you're doing charitable giving, both in terms of, you know, diversified investments, but also investment accounts, is you can pick the method that's going to maximize the amount that you can give to a charity, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, donating an appreciated asset to a charity versus uh, selling that asset and, and giving money, in many cases, means you can give 15% more right, um, to that charity. And, and that so, might very well be of interest. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, and, and, you know, you, you may think, oh yeah, whatever, you know, but that your, your local church, you know, may appreciate, uh, you know, an extra $1,500 on a, on an investment that you never thought of. Right. 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 Um, and can do a lot of, of good with that. And, and so I think, you know, when we talk about ESG and we talk about the ideas behind them, it's, it's not a trend and it's not just, a thinking about it is not just a marketing concept for, um, you know, ETFs from, from, you know, you know, yeah, there's a, you see it, you know, the bit on the back page of Kiplinger's, you know, our ESG funds and you see it, you know, it kind of goes in cycles like everything else that's getting advertised. Right. A lot of times you'll actually see a separate, like, what are the best ESG funds of the year? You know, and then there's kind of the best traditional funds and it's like, it's almost, it's almost, battling against each other in some way, the way it's marketed. But, it, but you know, for, for us as financial advisors, it's part of our clients' attitudes towards money and should be part of how we help them develop their, their financial plan. Oh, absolutely. And then even in just in the case that I mentioned earlier, right, where, oh, I'm just going to stick some in a clean energy fund and call it good, right? For those that do that, sometimes they might not realize the risk that they might be taking by doing that, right? Now, if you take your entire portfolio and dump it into one fund that happens to go towards clean energy, there's a chance that you might see some some different volatility than from where you came from in you know your traditional diversified portfolio, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. So th- there can very well be some unexpected things here, and that's where I think we help people build it into their total risk level. You know, if, if they're a pre-retiree or even retiree, and maybe it's not their best idea to just toss it all at one clean energy fund, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, let's have exposure there. But how can we do this where we, we set the bar, that ESG bar for you, where it's still going to you know, be in alignment with your, your values, but then also manage it from the risk perspective as well? <laughs> well, and, and here as well is... You know, one of the things too is to you know. Um, I remember, uh, you know, I've I've received calls after after current events from clients who say, "Oh, I want none of that in my portfolio," and it's a situation where, especially as well, you know, you look at an industry. I own X amount of Exxon stock in my S and P five hundred fund, and is selling that, taking the capital gains hit, moving into an ESG portfolio, the best way to impact that? Or is it, okay, yeah, we got invested in this. Maybe over time, we're going to want to move out of it. In the interim, what if we look at donating to a charity that supports sustainability elsewhere or works to, you know, 
offset some of the negative effects. Because in many cases, you look at what you're actually holding in Exxon, you know, and it's $20, right? Mm -hmm. And it's (laughs) like, well, do we want to blow up everything because of that? And again, if you have a, if you, if you're committed to this, yeah, that's great. Let's think of a plan that's going to maximize, you know, that, that sustainability factor without harming you too much and, and find that, that middle ground. Right. And, and these things aren't always static either. Cause you know, in the case you mentioned Exxon Mobil, right. And you think big oil, right. First thought. Now there are different fund managers have different levels of incorporation of ESG. So just cause they slap an ESG factor on there, doesn't mean that all ESG funds are the same and that they all have the same holdings underneath the hood, right? So some people might be surprised that there are certain ESG funds out there that actually might have, quote-unquote, big oil included in there. And, And why is that, right? Maybe in the past, they weren't. However, upon doing their fundamental analysis, they're looking at Shell, let's say, looking at their financial statements, and they see, oh, they in last year did a $7 billion investment into renewable energy. Hmm. Okay. Might not be a, you know, a majority of their operations currently. However, some fund managers might look at that and say, Hey, that's actually getting points and trending, if you will, trending towards, towards the sustainability side. Right? So some funds might actually include that holding and, and it's not going to be a static thing. It's not like we just have the snapshot where, you have good or bad. There's going to be things that are going to be maybe moving over that might meet someone's criteria, and then things that also might fall yeah. out. You know, if if think yeah. Nike when yeah. in the sweatshop issue yeah. came about, right? Well, or or they, you know, the the company says, okay, we're going to invest in all of the S and P sectors, right, to mimic a, an index, but we're going to, you know, in in the energy sector, we're going to pick the the best house on this bad block. So we're going to look at Exxon, we're going to look at BP, we're going to look at Shell, we're going to look at and pick the one that meets our our criteria the best. Correct, correct. So, and, and and when you're investing in funds like that, like in exchange traded funds and things like that, there's a good chance that if you look under the hood, it, let's say you own twelve ETFs, and each of those ETFs has you know a hundred positions or whatever it might be, all of a sudden we're talking over a thousand different underlying organization, there's a pretty good chance that something under the hood there might not be something you're 100% in alignment with. And, and if you really want to you know, get away from that, that's when you start looking at individual holdings, potentially, yeah, right? And that yeah, and, and so there are, and we work with, with partners that will, you know, under the, the sort of SMA guys, particularly uh, some of them uh, have moved from institutional side where they will allow you to check out a whole industry or say, no, I don't want you know, the following 10 companies in my portfolio. And that becomes a, another solution. So I think really if, if we have takeaways from today and we're going to wrap up here, the, the kind of biggest one I would say is talk to, talk to an advisor if you're interested in ESG, even if you want to manage the money yourself because they'll be able to provide you with some thinking about these topics that you may not have explored otherwise in terms of getting the best end result for society with you with your money if that's really what's most important to you yeah and and this is an incredibly incredibly big topic 
right? I, I try to explain the, the spectrum with my left hand and my right hand and, you know, charitable versus traditional investing. I've done seminars on this that last over an hour, right? And we're trying to limit this podcast under a half hour here. So it's a huge topic. It's, it, some might categorize it as a trend, right? And it's trending up. Inflows are coming into these types of fund, but it's also something that I think is going to become more and more mainstream as these are material factors when well, we're making I, investment decisions. I, I think as well, yeah. I, I don't think you know properly done, it should be treated like a, a trend. I mean, uh, just uh, you know, you hear, for instance, the Rockefellers uh, have have divested the, their family trust, you know, portfolio from oil, right? And what made the Rockefellers, you know, and that's like a big (laughs) intergenerational conflict. And so I think talking about this stuff is one part of the conversations that good advisors need to have and developing a plan around it is, is what we need to do for our clients. So, you know, ESG is this week's buzzword, right? It's the, uh, Harken back to my grad school, uh, the master signifier. But in truth, the underlying principles are conversations we want to have with our our clients. What's what's what do you want out of your money? What are you doing with it? So uh, we started today with with uh, Visco and uh, and uh, e boys and e girls, <laughs> which uh, I'm going to have to Google after this. Yeah, and have moved now through uh, more you know kind of uh, germane topics. What do you? What's the end goal for your money? Um, but we appreciate you listening and have a have a good day. Advisory services are offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Clint Walkner, Nate Condon, Jonathan Jordan, Mitch DeWitt, and Keith Boniwaz are investment advisor representatives of Walkner Condon. Guests on the podcast are not registered, and their participation in the podcast are limited to unregistered activities and will not provide any advice that is investment-related, nor should any comments that guests make be construed as giving investment advice. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principal as the market does fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizon. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Walkner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see walknercondon.com for additional disclosures.